1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to Truth and Liberty. I'm your host today, Dwayne Sheriff, and I have a very special guest today, our very own, my very own, (laughs) State Senator David Bullard, and we'll be introducing him in just a few moments. And this is a live call-in show, and, man, I I can't imagine you not having questions after we talk to the great uh, senator today. Uh, So take the number down, 719-719-619-2341, 719-619-2341, and you can call in. We'll take your questions. If you have comments, they would be welcomed as well. And again, I know you're going to enjoy uh, David. He is a, a blessing. Let me go over a few quick announcements in regards to the campus, to Karis College here in Woodland Park, Colorado, uh, we have our The Heart of Christmas performance coming up. And I have been at a couple of these, and they are over the top. If you have children or grandchildren, you've got to get them to this performance. It's called The Heart of Christmas. It's December the 8th through the 10th. There are three different showings on three different days. At Friday, on that Friday the 8th, it's at 7 p.m., On Saturday, it's at 2 p.m., and on Sunday, it's at 3 p.m. And these are tickets that have to be acquired for this, and there's limited seating. So you need to, to, to be on top of this. I promise you will be blessed. It is a blessing, and it will be a blessing to you. That's December the 8th through the 10th, the heart of Christmas. We also have a live nativity on the campus Um, December the 15th through the 17th, that's December 15th, 16th, and 17th, and the hours for that will be 6 to 8.30 p.m., 6 to 8.30 p.m. You will not need a ticket. It's a free event. You will enjoy, I mean, there's just animals everywhere, and it is really awesome, the nativity that they have, and the, the Christmas lights, it's just a beautiful, beautiful campus, to bring your children or your grandchildren and to see the lights and the nativity. Uh, and again, they'll be serving hot chocolate. Hey, I'm telling you, the hot chocolate is worth taking the kids or the grandkids. That's December the 15th through the 17th. Also want to remind you here at Truth and Liberty that we have a, a just a tremendous news feed uh, it's updated every 15 minutes with current news from conservative um, media outlets. And you need to avail yourself to that because uh, the, the problem we're having in America today and with our country is not the lack of information, it's misinformation. And the people with the right information are accused of misinformation. And so you just need the information. And a lot of these. These news outlets are just not telling the truth and uh, have a tremendous bent and bias. So you need a source for information. Truth and Liberty can become a tremendous uh, source for you, for your news and things of that nature. There's other resources available for you as well. Also, you need to know that we archive all of our episodes and you're you're gonna wanna share this episode with someone I'm sure, a friend or a family member, and so you can go to the, the website there and, and go to the archived section and, and find the broadcast that we've already done. All right, I wanna introduce my guest today, uh, such, a, such a great friend, uh, such a great leader in my community. Um, and he's even brought uh, a little confidence back to me in our government. I believe in government, but I do not believe in corrupt government. Mm. And uh, our government's in trouble. And we need godly men. We need good men and women to step up and serve the way the original founders intended uh, them to serve and to serve their communities. And Senator David has done that. Let me just share a few things about him. He graduated from Southeastern Oklahoma uh, State University with a Bachelor of Arts in Social Studies Education, earned a Master's of Education in Educational Administration from Lamar University, And he spent 15 years teaching the foundations of this great great nation. And for that, even though I have a Christian school in my community, I believe in our school and our public schools. In our church, we have many people that have children in the public school system. And so we're praying for the public school system too and great teachers and David was one of those that I was so grateful for. He taught again, the foundations of our great nation from faith and grit of our forefathers to the sacrifices endured by many to secure our freedoms. Man, I'm just blessed that our community still could talk about the faith of our founders and the sacrifices that were made, and David did that. He's an award-winning AP teacher, taught advanced placement, United States history, government, and constitution, He married Amber, his beloved wife, his better half for sure.
2: No, that's exactly right.
1: In 2002, (laughs) you better say so. (laughs) That's right. In 2002, uh, he serves on many boards within our community, uh, specifically our pregnant uh, uh, center here in Durant. Uh, I had an honor to be his guest at our last banquet. And uh, again, he's a state senator serving the people of District 6 in southern or southeastern Oklahoma, uh, has two children in the public school system. They are in Durant, and he also, his wife, she's an administrator in the public school system. So, I mean, he's just tremendous, and uh, you're going to be so blessed. We're going to jump into some things here on the Constitution, and uh, our freedoms and protecting those freedoms and the Supreme Court. So I just wanna welcome Senator David, God bless you for being yeah. on.
2: No, my pleasure to be here. You know, that's, it's important to teach and uh, recognize good teachers. And, and uh, there were a lot of them much better than I am, but uh, good teachers are rare, especially those who are willing to uh, do it right and, and remain in that Christian faith when they teach. And, yeah it's desperately needed within our public schools to have Christian men and women teaching our kids. And so it's vital that we take on this role, but it's also vital as you and I have had a lot of discussions on, uh, to get some uh, school choice and make sure parents have ultimately those kinds of rights. Yeah. And that's, that's vital within our society right now. The first time I had
1: uh, lunch with the Senator, uh it was it was so interesting and and we were getting along so good <laughs> and sure enough we come to vouchers and man there's this wall yep. uh, and i'm 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 stuck on my point and I'm staying <laughs> here and you're not going to move me I love you he's also a deacon uh, in one of our local churches which I admire him for that as well we need more godly deacons in government <laughs> we wouldn't have these problems but anyway <laughs> it was over school choice and after a a long discussion. We came to the conclusion that we're kind of on the same page, but we were coming at it from two different angles. And I've truly, I truly had to to renew my thinking and hear where he was coming from on the issue. Isn't, isn't the vouchers. The issue was who has the power, the parents or the government. And that he was actually protecting my private school, even though he was a former teacher in the public school, he knew that the vouchers could actually hurt Private school. so I just admire him for
2: disagreeing with me agreeably, uh, and us really, really debating it out. Well, when you think about it too, you know Jesus had the ultimate ability to disagree with somebody yeah. and still lead them in the direction he wanted to go. And yeah. so, That's a, it's awesome. a, it's a, it's a definite thing that we need within our society is the ability to disagree and then still go eat some good barbecue, which I think was what we were eating that yeah. day, and go grab a good cappuccino together, and, yes. and uh, we will learn and figure it out as we go. But our hearts were both in the right place, and Absolutely. that's what matters. And, and if we just
1: had more people, like I said, he he has renewed my faith in in, in government as an institution that it doesn't have to be corrupt. Uh, he and I actually worked together on some of the abortion uh, mm-hmm. um law here in Oklahoma and what an honor that was for a, a, a politician to ask a pastor, do you see anything here in here that you don't like or you don't think is good and if you have something you want to add, put it in. Can you imagine if every politician would would confide in their pastors and the pastors involved in legislation? Yeah. What, could, what could happen?
2: You know, and, and that's the, the key to success. Uh, I'm not a professional at everything. Uh, you, you watch too many people who get involved in politics, and all of a sudden they become the expert at everything under the sun. Yeah. And even on issues that I know within the constitutionality of things, the Bible gives us very clear instruction that in the abundance of counsel, there is safety or wisdom. And, and so to be able to go back to people who are learned in the Bible, who understand it, who are prayed up on these kinds of things. Uh, We need legislators that do that yet again, like they used to do in our our country. Uh, The men uh, who founded this country founded it on the basis of prayer first and the abundance of counsel with other Christians. And they used as their measuring stick, the Bible. And so uh, we have to get back to that. There's no way for the two to not exist. They cannot be mutually exclusive. We have to have people who are searching for God, who uh, are searching for wisdom within the Bible, and they're trying to write laws and legislate according to how the, the Bible tells them to. And uh, the, the biblical principles are found all throughout our history. And so it's vital that we get back to that point. Um, and, and that's kind of what you said. Now more than ever, people need to be paying attention to what their legislatures are doing. And if somebody comes knocking on your door, that's a blessing in disguise to talk to that person and find out where do you stand on using the Bible as your measuring tool for when you're writing legislation or when you're working on legislation or policy. Um, it's vital that we get us back to that standpoint. So yeah, the can, citizens got to pay attention.
1: Just think about that, brothers and sisters, that we used to vet those we were putting in office. And there are questions that can be asked that are, that are, that, that are not contentious. Hmm. Uh, they, they shouldn't be causing strife we need to know, are our, our legislators having a biblical worldview or a secular worldview? That's right. And we don't have to be contentious about that, but we need to know what kind of worldview are you gonna to take to the capital that's going to affect my family and our income and our businesses. And David has just done that. Uh, he, he's not an expert, but he's, he's, he's honest, which is rare, and what he doesn't know, he just says he doesn't know. I just love it when I'm talking to him. Every, everybody needs a Senator David in their life because, honestly, we can't keep up with all the legislation that's going on. We, we have to get out and work for a living, not that you don't work for a living.
2: Right. I hated that when people (laughs) say that about me.
1: They have to work for a living. Uh, But we can't keep up with all the laws. We can't keep up with all the changes. We can't keep up with all the news. Uh, But we need somebody, and that's what a representative republic is you represent us you keep up with all of it you give me the reader's
2: digest version and I can make a decision in private well and, and what you, you said a couple things that were vital there number one we are a republic if you will go and look at uh, article 6 of the Constitution it'll explain that to you we are a republic means ruled by elected officials uh, we are not a democracy as a matter of fact if you go and read the founders which you will find out is the founders hated the idea of democracy yeah. Yeah. because now everybody has to pay attention and everybody has to be part of it. So yeah. you elect me to go up there and represent you. And so then it's vital for you, uh, the one electing me, to understand what's the measuring process you use. Uh, do you measure things off your own ego? Well, that's led to a lot of disasters in our time. <laughs> uh, yeah. it, uh, do you uh, uh, measure things off of the Bible, which never changes. That's you and right. I both know this. That's the same God that stood before Uh, Abraham and uh, Paul and all these other people in the Bible, that's the standard that we have to be able to measure off of. And and if they can't answer that question, they probably have not earned your vote.
1: Yeah, man, you just, you need to be awakened and and realize the impact you can have brothers and sisters in a representative Republic. Uh, David blessed me so much. I, I was not able to attend uh, but at the beginning of this new legislation, they had a retreat. I don't know if it was a day and a half, two days, but David literally puts up on a board uh, the issues that they're going to tackle in this legislative yep. uh, session. And they pray over it. They all pray over it. They all brainstorm on, on, on how to address these issues uh, could you just briefly tell us a little bit about that? Because I just admire you for it.
2: Yeah, you know, um, uh, three years ago, I, I was—we were in legislative session, and it, it's always frustrating because you can't get to all the things that you need to get to. And I can see on those that I know to be strong Christian men and women in our legislature the frustration on their faces. And so, <clears throat> the Lighthouse America came forward and uh, purchased a meal for us and gave us a chance to just sit down, about twenty-five of us, and just pray. And I was so impressed with that time of the prayer, not with us, but the way the Lord showed up at that table. And we, we came back and said, we needed to be doing this a lot more. And so we started doing, this was actually our third retreat um, down in God's country at Lake Texoma, as we would like to refer to it. Amen, the Holy Vatican. Uh, that's right. <laughs> and, uh, and, and we went, uh, go there, and we spent our first evening in just prayer, no agenda, uh, pray until God is done with us. And it usually leads us pretty late into the night whenever we're praying. And, and I've heard some prayers uh, just in sheer um, awe of the Holy Spirit showing up in that, that just will blow your mind. And then most of the time out of that prayer, we get our agenda. And out of that, the next two days, we spend talking about that agenda, but then we also spend a great deal of time praying about what that agenda is. And we have been highly, highly effective uh, in using that as a, man, a way to a stepping stool to get us to our legislative priorities. And those priorities are coming true. God's answer in prayer left and right. And um, you know, uh, it, it is vital that we as legislators pray together and work together. I've never seen anything yet that worked without prayer. Mm. Why would we expect our government to be any different mm. when George Washington first became president of the United States. You know what his first step was? He went and led all of Congress as president of the United States down to the Trinity Church. And there they prayed for their country. And there they made a solemn covenant with God that this would be his country. Mm. We uh, are working to make that covenant true and uphold the covenant we made with God there. Mm. And I believe... As Oklahoma goes, so goes the nation. Amen. So in Oklahoma, to my, in my belief is, is if we can continue this practice of putting God first, in the I'll put it to you this way: in the the top dome of the Capitol, there is up, uh, hung up there a plumb bob. You know what a plumb bob is? You hold it on a string. It's what they used to measure off of. My grandfather used it when he did. My dad did too. That's right. <laughs> and uh, we prayed over that and asked the Lord to make the Bible be that plumb level of that entire capital on every decision we make. If we will continue to uphold that, I believe God will turn Oklahoma the way that it needs to be and, and, and become a beacon of light for the rest of the, the nation. And, and uh, we've seen that on numerous issues. And so Oklahoma has a chance to lead this country Amen. in the right way. Amen. I've asked often, especially in my travelings, what does the Great Awakening look
1: like? I mentioned the mm-hmm. Great Awakening, the third Great Awakening in my book, Counterculture, and I'm constantly asked, what does it look like? This is what it looks like. That's right. True reform. We don't need reform through <laughs> riots in the streets and burning our businesses down and hurting and harming one another, but we do need reform in this country, and it's going to come from Jesus. It's going to come from the Bible, and it's going to come from men and women with courage like Senator David, the, that will stand up and do the right thing. I just I don't know how that couldn't bless you just hearing that. But let's move on now to to what we told our audience and we advertised we would talk about. That you actually brought it to my attention. It was another great example of I just can't keep up with everything, and I'm, right. I'm a part of this now, trying to get current events out, um, the Great Awakening, Third Great Awakening, and yet I didn't know that the Supreme Court had just uh, dealt with the issue of the separation of church and state, and had finally got this thing back right, right way. And I, I just lit up when you told me, <laughs> so I said, "You got to come on." Yeah, uh, tell us about that. Tell our viewers. Um, I wouldn't mind you spending a, a few minutes, even if we run out of our first segment, uh, explaining church and state and separation of church and state, because I don't know if my, my understanding is too simplistic, uh, but it's like the whole nation has had a dyslexic moment and they got it backwards, mm-hmm. that the, the issue of the separation of church and state, according to the uh, First Amendment, is to protect the church from the state not the state from the church. Right. So help us out.
2: Yeah, so let me I can give you a little bit of history on it to be able to explain to people and understand what's going on with our government. First off, separation of church and state is mentioned nowhere in the US Constitution. It says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. That's word for word. And so, for most of our history, you have to understand Uh, You have men uh, like uh, John Adams and Noah Webster, um, John Jay, who said it it is the responsibility of us as a Christian nation to select and prefer Christians as our leaders. That's your first chief justice of the Supreme Court. Uh, Noah Webster was the one who said a brief exposition of the Constitution shall unfold to young people the genuine source of correct Republican principles. And is the sincere desire of this writer that our citizens should early understand that the genuine source of correct Republican principles is the Bible, or specifically the New Testament of the Christian religion. 1892, the Supreme Court again referred to us as a Christian religion under the Holy Trinity versus the United States case. So we haven't heard this concept of separation of church and state until 1947. And in 1947, there was a judge named Hugo Black, who in that case actually said <clears throat> and quoted Thomas Jefferson in a letter to the Danbury Baptist Church in which Jefferson said, the government is not going to get involved in your religion. That's it, period. That's the whole point of it. And he re-quotes the, the First Amendment, and it's really well written. Hugo Black changed that and said, no, 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 no. Uh, these, the job of, uh, of all of this, of the Constitution, is to make sure that people leave their faith out of government. That's not the job. Uh The job is the government to get its faith, get its uh, claws off of our faith. Yeah. (laughs) And as a matter of fact, uh, you know, the whole idea was the concept of is the government um, uh, to be hostile towards any religion? Well, the answer to that question has always been no until 1947. And then we saw laws getting passed down that kept trying to create a hostility towards religion. And you've seen that morph over the last many years. That hostility has not been to all religions. That hostility has been to Christians Uh, and specifically Christian schools um, that that they don't have any right to anything out there if it's government money. And the courts slowly over the years have been overturning that. And uh, we saw in 2022 probably one of the biggest cases I think we've seen, And, and it got overshadowed because of the Dobbs case and you and I are both are passionate about saving the life of the unborn. And so the Dobbs case is a huge deal. It, it turned to put abortion back in the hands of the States and the States are the ones that are supposed to, to, to regulate that and really care for that life. Well uh, in 2022, that same year, there was a case that came down at the same time called the Kennedy case. Uh, this was a coach in Washington who um, had uh would go out to the 50-yard line every game, and he would pray. And he required no one to go with him. He said a short prayer. He thanked the Lord for who it was, a strong Christian man. Kids started coming in and joining him. Parents started coming in, other coaches. And the school came back and said, we might get sued for this, so we're going to tell him you can't do this. And then they tried to fire him because he was trying to pray, and they were violating the First Amendment. And in 2022, the Supreme Court finally got it right. They reversed it back. And they said the standard is not whether or not there's some secular question, which was called the Lemon Test in Lemon v. Kurtzman. Now the standard is, does, does it have historical significance within our country? Well, I just gave you a couple of quotes from our founders in which there are thousands of these quotes out everywhere that the founders understood that religion had to be paramount. I want to read this one to you. Uh, It was very, this one caught my attention just not too long ago. Uh, This is from George Washington. He said, let us with caution indulge the supposition that morality can be maintained without religion. Whatever may be conceded to the influence of refined education on minds of, of peculiar structure, reason and experience both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in exclusion of religious principle. They understood then, as we are getting back to now, you have to have that moral compass. If you don't have the moral compass, your country goes astray. And now murder is okay, and lying is okay, and burning buildings down is okay, and destroying other people's property somehow becomes okay. So the Kennedy case is a big, big case uh, in which we have gone back to how it should be, which is referred to as the original intent of the founders. What was the intent when the founders wrote that document, when they wrote that part of the Constitution or or whatever it was, that law, uh, what was the intent of that? And the intent of the First Amendment has never been to restrict prayer or Bible reading. And in fact, the entire goal of the First Amendment is to make sure that prayer and Bible reading are never restricted.
1: Amen. Man, that's just so awesome. Hey, we're, we're, we're coming to an end of our first segment. I want to remind you of the phone number 719-619-2341. And this is an opportunity, brothers and sisters, to, to ask questions of somebody I trust, somebody I know knows what they're talking about and can inform us and encourage us and educate us in our civil duties. And so this is, this is a tremendous opportunity. So we welcome your calls, 719-619-2341. And, uh, I look forward to diving into the calls, but you had mentioned, you had mentioned prayer even, and, you know, we took prayer out of the school. We took the Bible out of the school. We took the 10 commandments out of the school, um, People and some of our local governments were sued for having the Ten Commandments on the property. And I know you you're doing something about that. Can you quickly tell us some things you got going? Yeah, because I think that what is happening in Oklahoma is to be a model. (laughs) the country. I think part of this third great awakening, and I know that uh, Andrew would disagree with me, he thinks it's coming out of Colorado. I think it's coming
2: out <laughs> of Oklahoma, hallelujah. So tell us about that quickly. Yeah. So years ago, under uh, Mary Fallon's, uh, in her gubernatorial um, term, uh, they removed the Ten Commandments off of the Capitol lawn. And it was under threat. There are organizations out there that will write letters to schools. And just threaten them. Very seldom do those lead to uh, lawsuits. And those lawsuits often get won by us whenever they're challenged. But they took the, at middle of the night, 2 a.m. in the morning, they took the Ten Commandments off of the Capitol lawn. And uh, now with the Kennedy case, we're actually running a bill now this this coming year to put the Ten Commandments back on the Capitol lawn, where they belong. Not only that, we're going to put them also inside because those are historical markers, those are historical representations of our of our country. I'll give you an example. One of the biggest court cases in history was uh, Worcester v. the U.S., where Andrew Jackson had made the, the Indian tribes move off of their territories and sent them here to Oklahoma. Well, it wasn't the government that helped the tribes when they got here. Uh, it was the ministry. And Daniel Worcester, who is an Oklahoman who represented that, came with the tribes here to minister to them, feed them, help them, walk with them. That's Oklahoma's history. And that's a history that you can find in almost every part of the country. And so historically, the Ten Commandments belong on that lawn, And historically, those Ten Commandments belong inside of our Capitol as a measuring tool for us to say, are we measuring up to what we should be?
1: Yeah. And we're not advocating law and legalism. We're advocating those Ten Commandments also being in our hearts, written in our hearts as a standard that God is eternal and his values, his morals, they're consistent and they're eternal. And we've got to come back, brothers and sisters. We have to come back from the abyss and the darkness that we're slipping into. And I believe we're on our way back. It's not going to happen probably overnight, but I've watched David. I've, I've pastored in the Durant area for 35 years. And I watched David go from a school teacher, uh, a deacon in his church, uh, to the House of Representatives, and now the State Senate. And I think God's got even more for him. He's in line now for the pro tem position in our Senate that will drive an agenda. The pro tem really has a lot of power to push mm-hmm. legislated uh, agendas, and I believe they're going to be godly. So we'll be right back in 90 seconds. Thank you for tuning in.
0: At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we have big plans to make a big impact. If you want to be a part of turning our nation back to God, I want to invite you to become a supporter of Truth and Liberty. You can go on our website at truthandliberty.net to the donate page and make a gift there. And you can also sign up to be uh, make a recurring automatic gift of $5 or more per month, and then you'll become a Truth and Liberty member. And uh, our gifts to Truth and Liberty are not tax deductible, but I promise you, God sees your generosity. So, go to Truth and Liberty and become a member today.
3: With practical government, you have experts in the fields that are sharing their perspective, wisdom, and experience. It's not available anywhere else in the world.
4: We're going to teach a Christian heritage of our American government. They're going to learn about the Founding Fathers. We're teaching the Constitution, how government operates, practical skills, and field study. No
3: matter where you're coming from. The world needs you.
0: Whatever God's calling you to do, you're able to do it.
3: To learn more, visit practicalgovernmentschool.com.
1: Welcome back to Truth and Liberty. I'm your host today, Dwayne Sheriff, and it's a privilege uh, and just a blessing to have Senator David Bullard on, uh, again, running for the pro tem here in Oklahoma of our Senate, Uh, watched him for years uh, prosper in what he set his hand to, and God bless him, God promote him. You know, I don't want to say on an international broadcast where I think this man is going but he's going places and God's not through with him for sure. We need him for a while here in Oklahoma. But uh, let's go back to uh, uh, prayer in our schools. Anything that you could elaborate on that? I know that you have been instrumental in helping me. I have for 30 years tried to get vouchers in our, our, our schools uh, and, and par- parental choice, mm-hmm. truly a choice on where to, to send your children uh, and you helped pass some legislation that I think will be uh, a model for the rest of the country, uh, I'll be able to come back on here in just a few weeks, and I may have you back on our voucher system here in Oklahoma. I just want to have it in my hand. <laughs> I want to see the parents get it. That's I want right. to see the lack of control of government like you promised and yes. our legislators promised. And just to see it happen, and then we're going to talk about it, and we're going to promote it for the nation.
2: Well, you know, that's been one of the things that we've always struggled with is it's not a parental choice issue for me and a lot of other legislators out there. Um, parents are the only option to be the parents of that, of that uh, student. You know, you may have it be a grandmother or a grandfather. They may be adopted parents, but the schools can never be parents. And I've had too many schools come to me and try and use what's called in local parentis to say, "Well, well, that gives us the authority. No, it doesn't. In an emergency, it gives you that authority. But that does not mean you are the parent of that child and you do not have that authority. I have that sole authority over my two girls and the schools shall not take that over. And so the only way that you make sure that that happens is you ensure that there's not a monopoly. Uh, In history, I studied a great deal of history. I'd never once found a monopoly that was beneficial to people. So then why would we give that same monopoly to any school system in any way? So it's vital that we get that money to the parents. But here's the problem. We have three... Local taxes, which in Oklahoma is the bulk of it, Texas and some other states are different. Your state taxes, which are the second tier, and then probably the minimal side of it is your federal taxes, which I would love to see us get rid of and go back to just being state and local. That way, we control our own destiny here in Oklahoma. But with, what we're saying is, is right now we're making parents pay in three different kinds of taxes. Yeah. We're only going to make you. We're only going to give them back one of them. Yeah. The problem has become a lot of people who agree with school choice, as I do have a struggle with vouchers because a voucher is uh, you, the parent, telling the government to send that school that money to that school. Well, now that's government sending money directly to a school, right? And there's nothing under the sun that the state of Oklahoma gives money to that we don't regulate. And so what I wanted to make sure of was if we're going to do something to get that money back, that we're not making our private schools now into a public school because once y'all get used to that money, it's going to be really hard to pull back. And so if, if, if y'all are too used to that money and the government says, well, you got to let boys go into girls' locker rooms, if, if you tell them no, they're going to take the money away. This, however, what we came up with, the system that we came up with, is just give the people their money back to send their kids to the school that they want. We don't give it directly to the school. We give it back to the people right. who gave it to us to begin with. That's right. It's our money. It's your money. Anyways, it's that's not right. my money to deal with, and so it's never your money. That's exactly. Do not right. forget that. That's exactly right, and a lot of them have forgotten. <laughs> they have right? forgotten. They, they think that that we forget, that and problem. y'all forget. That's right. This is our money, and, and so you, you have to look at it from a standpoint of we're just giving you your money back, and then you can take your child where you want to. <clears throat> By the way, they still have to pay the local ad tax to the public school. So the public schools ought to be making out like bandits on this thing uh-huh. and we're in the federal government same way which I've said before I'd love to hand them their government their money back and tell them uh, Oklahoma's going to be in charge of our own schools. But that's what we have to work towards is making sure when we take on a policy there are always that those laws of unintended consequences. And when I looked at vouchers I saw an unintended consequence that I didn't like of turning our private schools into public schools but the the tax credit or a tax refund system is perfect. yeah. And it allows the freedom of choice. Mm. It allows competition. That's right. So that now, if a public school isn't doing what they're supposed to do, or even the private school, That's if right. they're not doing That's what right. they're supposed Parents to do, you have can. the freedom to move about how you want to. That's right. And uh, anytime you look at socialism within any nation and how it took root, it took root yeah. by making sure people don't have choices. Yeah. And what we want to make sure of is you you have that choice you that's have right. the decision-making ability to do that yeah uh, put on a mask take a vaccine yeah. those are your decisions that's right that's not the government's that's decisions in right. school is no different uh, it, it, this
1: is what a third grade awakening will look like this right. is this is what we're talking about in practicality of how the word works and how that Christ has come to set us free yeah This broadcast, this entire Truth and Liberty Network is about freedom. It's about liberty. And school choice ought to be that. And if the public school, and you believe the public school is the best thing since hot butter, you get to still send your kid to the public school. We're not trying to get you to not go where you want to go. We're allowing everybody to go where they want to go. And so I'm just so grateful. I was even grateful looking back on the first time we debated a little bit and disagreed that David, the great esteemed senator, was actually looking out for my well-being and overriding my ignorance of a voucher at the time when he and I disagreed would have hurt our school, a private school. Now, this tax credit idea... I believe, is a nationwide idea. We can fix our public school system. We can deal with all this controversial stuff uh, through these tax credits. Because remember, it's your money. You can get it back now through this system. And so we're going to take this nationwide in the name of Jesus. All right, let's take a a call from AJ, a subscriber in Colorado. Uh, What's your question, AJ? Thanks for calling. Hey, Pastor Dwayne, Senator Bullitt. How are you too? We're excellent. Thank you. Good. I'm glad to hear it. I was wondering, should we be training
4: our – well, let me give you some context. Yesterday, Andrew said that it seems the only way to be changing the government is to sue them in a lot of cases, uh, much like with the Coach Joe Kennedy case that uh, uh, Senator Bullard was talking about. Yes. Um, should we be training our children for proxy lawsuits in order to change the school systems?
1: Uh, you know, I, I, think, I think the esteemed senator, again, can probably answer this much better than, my, than myself. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not positive where you're coming from with the question, uh, but I don't believe we should use our children in proxy for, for any uh, selfish agenda uh, in the sense of just using them. However, Uh, What Andrew probably said, I didn't hear the broadcast, and where I stand, too, and it's taken me a while to get here, to be honest, is that there are some things that aren't going to change with a corrupt, ungodly, evil government other than a lawsuit and standing for our rights. Um, Romans 13 says the whole purpose of government is to execute judgment on evil. Uh, not on those who are bent to do good. Government is supposed to protect our rights. They're not the source of them. And in many cases, in the natural, uh, a lawsuit would be appropriate, though, uh, to bring about godly, nonviolent change. So that's kind of kind of where I'm at in that. He could probably do a better job.
2: Yeah, I can tackle that one. Uh, no, we should not be training kids to be proxy in any way, shape, fashion, or form uh, to do that. But there are instances where uh, those governments or those institutions are attempting to indoctrinate kids or take away particular rights. Or one of them that you and I talked about recently was the compulsion of speech, trying to compel the, the speech, which is unconstitutional, is a direct violation of the First Amendment. But it's just kind of what you hit on for a minute ago. Uh, we have to understand that we have to be watchmen on the wall for our freedoms. Governments are such a thing. Uh, I'll give you an example. Everybody here, you probably even know that uh, the Declaration of Independence says we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and among those are right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What's the next line? Most people can't tell you that line. The next line says, and to protect these freedoms, governments are instituted amongst men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. And so it's my job to make sure that parents have the right to sue if a school or somebody is trying to take away the freedoms of that person or their, or their student or their child. And so we have a, a, a responsibility to open up opportunity, but it is not our job to try and train kids to somehow become a proxy for these lawsuits. We just have to be ever watchful. And when they come, and they're going to come, if, if you think that, that the devil or the enemy is going to give you this country back quietly, you have not been paying attention in history. And so for us, what we have to do is be ever watchful. Uh, The price of freedom, as a matter of fact, I believe it's Edmund Burke said, the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. Uh, You have to pay attention to what's going on around you. And the problem is, is what you mentioned. You said just a minute ago, we don't have time. And there's so many people out there that are working two jobs, single moms, that are trying to pay attention to what's going on around them, but they don't have the time. And so you elected me in a republic to go up and be the watchman on that wall to make sure that your freedoms are not taken away. And under a system like what we're talking about with with, uh, 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 tax credits, school choice, uh, the whole point is to give parents options, to let them have what they need to do to be able to raise their families the way that they want. Uh, And if we don't pay attention, the governments have always been historically willing to swoop in and take your kids from you. That's right. And take that responsibility away. I've been doing a lot of speaking lately on something called the vacuum left. Whatever vacuum, and I'm not talking about a, the one you and I never use. <laughs> I just used it yesterday. Uh, so die. Yeah, you bet. The, um, what I'm talking about is a vacuum, uh, an area where all the oxygen has been sucked out of, a, out of a, a, an area. If Christians abandon the schools, if Christians abandon government, if Christians abandon whatever, the devil is going to occupy that, that vacuum. It doesn't matter what it is, the, the devil's going to occupy it. So we cannot get out of the school system. We have to pay attention to and occupy that space as Christians. And as a matter of fact, we're commanded to do so Uh, where we are. And and so it's just an ever vigilant watch on freedoms.
1: Well, I I just don't know how that can't be such an encouragement to, to so many of you that are watching that think about how far we have fallen. Think about how dark and slowly we evolved into this darkness. And what's happening now, hopefully, is a great awakening. We're waking. Waking up on how that we, when we as Christians remove ourselves and create that vacuum, think, don't think for one minute the devil isn't going to fill it. That's how this works. And so we have to be vigilant and we have to elect people. Which, when's the last time you heard a politician say his or her job is to be a watchman on the wall to protect our freedoms, to protect our liberty, to protect our rights? To protect us from an all-intrusive government that is trying to take away our rights, and they didn't give us our rights, they can't take away our rights. They come from God, yep. and uh, I just appreciate that about you. Well, where, where do you where do you see things going in Oklahoma, uh, and the next things on the horizon that you think can affect in a positive way the nation?
2: Well, there's several things. Uh, One of the biggest things that Oklahoma has to lead in is in judicial reform. Uh, Oklahoma right now has a Supreme Court that would fit in very well in New York, but it does not fit the people of Oklahoma. It does not fit our values. And so we've seen that in the manner in which they've uh, handled abortion uh, very carelessly with the life of the unborn, and they have overturned a a number of laws. And so I think it is time for this nation to come to an understanding with our judicial system that you shall not legislate from the bench. And uh, we have enough people that are tired of that, that you're gonna see a lot of judicial reform come down. Because if, I've said this before, if you're serious about protecting life of the unborn in this country, then you're serious about judicial reform. But we've, we've seen this sweeping the nation after Dobbs where people are being deceived right and left on abortion. And I think you're going to see the states, uh, like Oklahoma, standing up to abortion and abortion, the abortion industry. But until we get a handle on our Supreme Court, we are not going to get there from that point. Um, And so you're going to see a lot of that uh, going going forward within the nation. And and I think you're going to see Oklahoma kind of lead the way in that as well. I think, too, when you look at uh, if you want to talk about another subject would be our labor union situations uh, within our schools. Um, the NEA is horrendous. They, they put out these concepts of drag queen acceptance and drag queen story hour and push an agenda that goes contrary to our values. And we have to get a handle on what those labor unions are doing and how they're impacting kids. Because even though we have school choice, 80 to 90 percent of those kids are going to remain in a public school. So we can't just simply That's abandon right. our schools. That's right. Well, and we need them to. That, that is correct. We need them to. And so we're gonna to have to do some work on that to make sure that those labor unions don't have unfair or undue power over our teachers to compel their speech or student speech to do things that, that, that they disagree with. And so we're gonna take that head on and make sure that we lead the nation in that manner. That's awesome. Well,
1: again, that, that, that just makes me so proud of you and our legislators that have, have been exalted by the Lord and put in place by the Lord and accountable to the Lord and the people. Yeah. And uh, I promise you that we're going to be holding you guys accountable Good. in those areas. You better. <laughs> uh, because, I mean, I would like to see, and, and I don't want to get you in any kind of bind politically, but, I mean, where, where does this uh, labor union with education really stand? Do we need to have such a powerful union period, over our, our local educational systems. Why can't why do we have to have a federal oversight and agendas for, for Durant, Oklahoma? Why can't we legislate locally uh, how we're going to run our schools
2: and, and just do away with these, these labor unions? Well, you have to. And I, I said earlier, uh, I'm pretty steeped on history. I haven't seen where a single monopoly has been beneficial to people. And so we've given basically a monopoly to these labor unions and given them full access to our teachers and given the teachers very little power over that. And so what I want to do is empower teachers to get themselves out of that situation and be able to do what they want to do with their paycheck. And actually, the Supreme Court has already said that that is possible in the the Janice decision. And so we will head that way with it to, to make sure that we give those teachers that power but it's just as we said at the beginning, our job is to make sure that undue burden is not put on our teachers, on speech, on anything else that may violate them, uh, their rights. And um, so when we start analyzing what do we? how do we go from here, uh, we have to start paying attention to the, where is the corruption or the source of this corruption. Absolutely. And every time I am working on a piece of legislation, Especially when it comes to schools, but almost everything else that we have going on within our the problems we faced, every one of them are federal, and and, and education is not mentioned in the U.S. Constitution. That's right. In Article One, Section Eight, there are seventeen specific powers. Those are called the delegated powers. Uh, there's 17 specific powers. And and it's funny because I got into an argument with some of the other day on supremacy doctrine. They said, oh, but the supremacy doctrine, Senator, and I said, Article 6 of the Constitution gives them supremacy over those 17 powers, nothing else. For those of you who have been taught in college and lied to in college and said, supremacy doctrine says they can do whatever they want. You are dead wrong. and You need to go back and reread the Constitution because it says that the powers thereof which means those 17 powers specifically mentioned in article one section eight but it the way they the federal government manipulates us now is not through those 17 powers it is through money money which yeah. they don't have that's right they, they we gave them that's right well either we gave them or they just decided to print more of it off <laughs> or borrow yeah or borrow and so that's what we run into is is if we can get back in control as a state and, and i've had a lot of people say well why don't you get into the federal side of this because the way we take our country back isn't from the top down. We do it like our founders did from the bottom up. If you want to save your country, run for your school board. That's where I was going next. That's right. Uh, Encourage people
1: in in running for school board. Again, vetting out local politicians. That's right. Voting voting in locally people of integrity, people out of Exodus 18 that fear God Mm -hmm. and hate covetousness, all these things that are so simple that are corrupting us. Let's go back to the phones here real quick and some of your questions. We got Marcia from Texas. Uh, What is your question? Thank you for calling.
3: Hello, I'm so thankful for you and these ministries and for uh, Andrew. And um, I have a question. I'm from Texas and I do have a question regarding the vouchers. Um, I want to give you an example real quick of what I'm talking about so you'll know why I'm asking the question. Uh, In Katrina, In all that crisis, the United States government was giving out $300 credit cards to everybody who claimed they were involved in that and needed help. And it was intended for things like housing and food and taking care of children and that kind of thing. Instead, these people were buying $300 shoes and handbags, uh, going out and drinking. Uh, They're buying all kinds of things except taking care of their needs. So that's my question. Exactly. What are the reasons on this that would protect? Because I can guarantee you right now, there are many, many, many of the people who are watching this who don't care about what you and I and all of us are talking about. They only care about the dollar that gets in their pocket, and then they go out and waste it, even if they have children. They won't spend it on the schooling or or make a good choice.
1: Absolutely, Marcia. Thank you for your question. We'll, we'll jump on that. Let me just quickly say, too, that this is the problem with the federal government, period. Uh, they always come as an angel of light, and I'm here to help you. Uh, that is the last thing they're here to do, is to help us. They're here to enslave us and to empower themselves at large. I'm not saying there aren't good people on a federal level, but I'm just telling you, that's a perfect example of something that sounds so good, good intent, $300 for housing. You're going through a crisis. You need to feed your kids, and you need to pay for, for a hotel. And it's spent on anything but that. And that's what's wrong. That's what's wrong at the federal level, state level, and even local level, is just corruption. And uh, it's only going to change, though, with good people being empowered uh, with a, 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 a conscience and a conviction and being principle-driven. And so we're working on that. But as far as the question itself on the on the vouchers, uh, how does it work? And I appreciate the question here. Uh, I, I may be assuming something I shouldn't be again, but my understanding of the tax credit and the money that they get for the, the school of their choice can only be spent on... The school of their choice, homeschoolers, I know that they get money for certain things, uh, not as much on their credit, tax credit. Uh, But I think that would answer Marcia's question, and you're the expert at that.
2: Yeah, so actually, Marcia, you bring up a very, very good point, and it was one of the reasons why I was so, it's another reason I was so opposed to the voucher system, is that once you send that money around, how do you ensure that it happened? The advantage to a tax credit or a tax refund is the only way you can get it is you turn in the tuition slip that says I sent my kids to this school, and then the tax commission will come back and give you the money.
1: And and don't let me interrupt. Keep your thought. That's exactly he's telling the truth. Which every time a politician tells the truth, I want to exalt it. Uh, (laughs) But we had to have a meeting with all of our parents at our Christian school to inform them of the paperwork that they had to sign. They had to enroll their child and and show proof of that enrollment to get that tax credit. Uh They even had to pre-enroll for the next school year to ensure getting the tax credit. So this is the mastery uh, of what Senator David has done. And our legislators uh, here in Oklahoma is that they're, they're they're eliminating the abuse. Marcia was talking about. You can't take this money, and 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 go buy now uh, a new wardrobe. Go buy a new car. Go pay for uh, a new four wheeler. That, that's what we would get in Oklahoma. We <laughs> yes, get a right. four wheeler. Yeah, that's right. uh, So that was a great question, and that's why we believe that what we've done and the senator, the good senator has done, could really be a model for the rest of the nation. Because Marsha, the idea, and you're spot on, the idea isn't to get the government. The government's not even, think about this for a minute. The government's not helping me with this new deal. I'm getting my money back to do with my child what I feel led by God and will be held accountable to God in the day of judgment for my child. That's different than them just giving me cash that I can just go do what I want. No, they're giving me my money back that I paid in taxes for a specific purpose, the education of my child.
2: Yeah, that's right. And so it's important to understand that's one of the biggest differences that we had between vouchers. And and the other is, every time I've seen a voucher bill come forward, well, it can be spent on computers and clothes and all these other things. No, what we said is you have to prove tuition. And then, then once you've, Annie'd up on that tuition, then, then we'll give you a tax your tax dollars back uh, in order to get that back. And we tiered it so that actually your lower income people have a chance to get more money back so right. that they can send their kids, even though they can't afford a dollar of that, they have the, the ability to do that. And then the higher up it goes, the less mm. money you get back. So we're actually prioritizing low income families to yes. help them as well. So that's See, another key it's point. It's just a godly system that they really have created uh,
1: with equity. That's a, that's a popular word yeah. within the woke movement of equity. And these people don't even know what equity means and how that that's a pillar of God's wisdom in his house is equity. And this is equitable in the sense of private education has excluded the poor in many cases. And this has been a, a heart of mine since we began our school 30, 35 years ago in Durant. And we struggled as a church because we didn't want just the rich being able to go to our school. That's right. And this is going to ensure that that the poor has access to a quality education, which is a contributor to prosperity. Not everybody poor uh, is poor because of a lack of education, but a lack of education definitely contributes to poverty. And so we're actually competing against poverty now with this system and and what we're making available. So I really appreciate the question. We've just got about a
2: minute and a half later. Is there anything else you wanna add to that before we go to our break? You know, one of the main things we have to make sure of is, and you you pointed it out just a minute ago, this is not my money, It's, it's your money you've just elected me to go up and try and manage some of the money that we've stolen from you. (laughs) Don't you just love this guy? (laughs) Yeah. So, so what we're trying to do is find a way that does it without endangering my private schools. Yep. But also is fair to a parent to get them to the right place. And you got to remember in, in rural Oklahoma and rural United States, we don't see many of these problems. Uh, but when you get into the urban areas, it is unbelievable. But it's coming to rural America.
1: Correct. Uh, and, and, and let me just say this about the integrity of, of Senator David here. Uh, he has two children, and again, they're in the public school system. Mm. And yet he, as a, a representative of mine, his two children are in the public school system in my town, where I have a private school. And so he understands I'm all for our public school system in, in Durant, but I'm also for freedom and liberty and choice and things I can do that perhaps right now the public school can't do. Uh, And he's supporting me uh, as a representative, and I'm supporting him and his wife's an administrator, a a wonderful woman, and a blessing in our community. So this is how it's supposed to work. It's not us against them. Uh, the, 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 The communities that have private schools. A lot of times they pit the private school against the public school, and and we're not doing that. We're helping everybody. Well, I gotta take a break. I went over a little bit. I'll be back in 90 seconds and take your phone calls.
0: Are you in ministry and want to connect with other like-minded ministers? Andrew Womack founded the Association of Related Ministries International, or ARMY, to serve, equip, and empower you for success in your ministry through relationships, community, and resources.
3: But just being a part of this, uh, being filled with the Word of God and with Army and fellowshipping, knowing that I have other ministers with me, it is awesome.
1: We have met such precious people through Army. Uh, there's people I know I can call when I'm in a jam.
4: Ministers have a safe place to come. We can unify and unite for the kingdom.
0: AS AN ARMY MEMBER, SOME OF THE BENEFITS YOU'LL ENJOY ARE BIBLE TEACHING CORRESPONDENCE COURSES, REGIONAL ADVOCATES FOR PERSONAL SUPPORT AND MINISTRY, REGIONAL EVENTS FOR NETWORKING, ONE-ON-ONE MINISTRY AND ENCOURAGEMENT, OUR MONTHLY NEWSLETTER AND MORE. YOU DON'T HAVE TO DO MINISTRY ALONE. JOIN THIS GROWING NETWORK OF DYNAMIC AND ELITE MINISTERS FROM ACROSS THE U.S. AND AROUND THE WORLD TODAY.
1: Hey, everybody, welcome back to Truth and Liberty. We're all about the truth on any level. It's the truth and knowing the truth that makes you free and liberty, freedom. And I have my good friend, Senator David Bullard on with me, and we're taking your questions and your calls He's just an excellent resource in my life, my personal life, in my community. I'm seeing my state reformed. I mean, when I first came to Oklahoma in the early 80s and I registered to vote, I was the only registered Republican in Atoka County. And they didn't want me to register. She tried to talk me out of registering right. as a Republican. Yep. And I just refused. I said, I don't care if I'm the only one. And she lied, <laughs> told me I couldn't vote on anything. and. So anyway, we registered, and to see that I was the first <laughs> registered Republican in my county to see now that our House and our Senate is primary, primarily dominated by uh, Republicans. And we have to be careful there, because not all Republicans yeah, that's are right. conservative, that's right. uh, and what we need is conservatives. I don't care if you're Democrat, Libertarian, or Republican. You need to be conservative to save our, our nation. And so we're, we're taking questions. The number is 719-619-2341. 719-619-2341. And also I need to give you our prayer line that you can call for prayer. And Andrew Walmack Ministries has the best prayer ministry of any ministry. Listen to me, and I, this is not hyperbole. It is the best prayer, uh, if you will, service available in the entire world. It is open 24-7. You can call 24 hours a day, seven days a week for any prayer. And these, these prayer ministries have been trained in how to pray, what to pray, um, how to have effectual prayers, how to pray in faith versus unbelief. And uh, they'll agree with you and they'll help you navigate the, the challenges of your life, your marriage, parenting, your health. And so the prayer line is 719-635-1111. 719-635-1111. If you can't find the number 11 on your phone, it's <laughs> 1111. Hallelujah. All right, let's go back to our our senator and one of our our questions we we had is what can the local church do to bring change in local And national government. And Senator, I I deal with this, I know you have to, but many in our audience deal with this. They just feel helpless. They feel like, what can I do? It's like an elephant. How do you eat an elephant?
2: It just seems so overwhelming. What would you say and how would you answer that question? Well, I will say this first. The church is essential to doing what we want to do. If you want to retain freedom, it's going to come because the church stood up and understood. But your churches have to become local hubs of questions and hosting debates. Uh, you, the church, it's just like I said before, there's a vacuum left. If the church won't engage in politics, if, if the church won't engage in government, the devil's going to occupy that. And, and for uh, the last 40 to 50 years now, what have we seen? We've seen politics where uh, everything's flipped around. Good is evil. Evil is good. And you don't get through that because of a politician. I'm not, I'm not the one that can help you here. Uh, the fact that I am a Christian person accountable to my church is what can help you, if that makes sense. That makes perfect all. sense. And so the church has got to engage. Um, and we have to get away from this nonsense of, again, it's coming out of the argument of separation of church and state. We were told years ago the church needs to sit over there in their corner and do your thing. But I, as a, as a person in the Senate, did not lose my civil liberties or my civil rights. I still have First Amendment rights, and I use those in everything I do. If you're a teacher, when you stepped in that classroom, you did not lose your rights. And you, as a pastor, when you decided to take over the the pastoral ministry at this church or another church or open your churches, you did not surrender your civil liberties and your civil rights involuntarily. But we have people all over this country, pastors who refuse to engage the church and at least expose it to them. I'm not saying go out and register all your church and Republicans or all your church and Democrats. I'm saying get your church involved with the biblical principles that apply. I could care less if you're Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal. What I care about is right and wrong. And you will find there are always examples where very explicitly there is one aspect of this that is right and one aspect of it that is wrong. If you look at the right posture on things, it comes from a biblical standpoint. If you look at the wrong, it comes from something other than the, than the Bible. <laughs> and so if the church will engage this correctly, I'm not talking about politics as in Republican Democrat. I'm talking about politics as the definition of it. It is the uh, argument or the, the debate over how to run your country, right? How to govern. That's what politics is. And so we've gotten this Republican Democrat idea. When I say get involved in politics, I'm not, I, that's not what I'm talking about. I want the churches and pastors across this state to start engaging and saying, the Bible says this about this. That's right. And you have, you know, you have lots of examples. Um, Teddy Roosevelt once said the Bible is so interwoven and intertwined within our civic and social society that it would be impossible for us to know ourselves if that teaching were removed. Mm. That's, that, that's prophetic. Amen. Because we have to understand that until the pastors and tell the churches engage on right and wrong from a biblical standpoint on what our government is doing, we will never see the third great awakening that you're talking about. But I'm like you, what I'm seeing is the church is starting to engage and understand I will. There is a time coming that if we don't stand up as a church for right and wrong from a biblical standpoint that we will not be able to utter the name of Jesus in the public square. Amen. And that time is quickly coming. It's very quick. Uh, if you think that the thief is sitting outside your house, you're not paying attention. The door is open. The thief is in your house and the thief wants your kids. Yeah. And so we as a church are overdue to stand up and not talk about Republican Democrat. Our job is to stand up and say right, wrong. And the here's why. And we need the council of pastors to guide us there. Um, the shepherd has to guide his flock to greener pastures. And right now we're we're, we're absent of that. That's what we've missed for so long because the pastors said, you got to sit in a a pew and stay quiet. Just listen to a sermon. Now the, the job is to teach a sermon so that that it oh, can be applied out in public. Absolutely. And you can go run for school board. Yeah. And, and you understand right from wrong because okay. here's what the Bible says about that. And that's that's. You know I- what's
1: amazing about this? The same world that if we stay behind our four walls, and we do nothing, they'll call us hypocrites. But now we get outside of our four, four walls, and if we if we get anywhere near where their power base is, and that's government right now, uh, then they attack us. <laughs> Uh, and so it's so important, brothers and sisters, that that the way I finally got it straight in my heart and in my ministry was I'm not bringing politics to the pulpit. I'm not going to become a political arm of the Democratic Party or a political arm of the Republican Party. Yeah, there you go. I am taking the pulpit to my politics. There you go. That's the difference. And uh, we're not the one that made everything political. For a while, you could kind of <laughs> stay separated from politics.
2: Not anymore. Because
1: the politicians weren't meddling in every cultural issue. That's right. But today, name one issue that isn't poisoned by politics. That's right. So if I deal with any issue, it's going to sound political because politics is the one that has in, in, infused itself into every fiber of our culture. Go and ahead.
2: can I inject in that? that? That's an that's a incredibly valuable point because that's intentional. If we make everything under the sun about politics, then you can't speak on the important issues that every one of the members of your church are facing. So like you said, it's not about Republican versus Democrat. It's what does the Bible say about the issues that we're facing? And there's not one issue under the sun that the Bible does not address.
1: Absolutely. Either directly or in principle yep. or, or value. And uh, we can rely on the word of God. It's forever settled, forever settled in heaven and earth now we need to be settled back into the bible let's take a question from ruby from oklahoma uh thank you so much for calling ruby uh what is your question please
4: okay mine is not so much a question it's some input that might benefit in how to pray first of all 100 percent, i agree with all y'all are saying y'all are wonderful and i love your brother duane you've been my thank pastor you. forever Um, but I used to work at, (laughs) (laughs) I used to be um, working with the historic preservation department when I was in Durant with Choctaw Nation. And one of the things I was assigned to do was to help transcribe part of the Halliburton Journal. Now, that is a journal we found in Louisiana written by the missionary. Who came down the Trail mm. of Tears with the Choctaws to Oklahoma, mm. and in that That's transcribing awesome. what I was witnessing was the conversion of half of the Choctaw people to Christianity. Um, they're the ones who came down the Trail of Tears to Oklahoma, so the Oklahoma Choctaws are based in Christianity. The others, absolutely, with the traditional things, and they're on a reservation in Mississippi. But I think one of the reasons that there has been such prosperity in the Choctaw people in Oklahoma is because their roots are based in Christianity.
1: Absolutely, Ruby. Thank you so much for that comment. I'll let uh, uh, Senator David jump in here in a minute as well. But um, I have a lot of members of Victory Life Church that are Choctaw, mm. and they have a strong faith in Jesus. And uh, even in the nation's statement is the acknowledgement of faith and family. And I admire the Choctaw people for that. Um,
2: would you like to, to weigh in on that or yeah, do you know you, anything about that? No, that's fantastic. And I would actually, if you don't mind, uh, I'm from Durant. I would love to Read that journal. Uh, if she could get a hold of me, uh, we'll have some contact information up. I would love to be able to talk to that. But I, I've got so many people within it, even uh, Chief Batten, uh, the, the chief of the Choctaw people is one of the strongest Christian good men I've ever met. Yeah, I, I, he and the chief and the assistant chief uh, yeah, alike. They're
1: you know, very they, supportive of me. Oh, I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, I mean,
2: they're, they're phenomenal to work with. I've, I've seen the same thing within the Chickasaw people, within the Cherokee yes. people. Yes. When you knock doors, you will find an overwhelming faith. Yeah. And what's fascinating about your comment is it just verifies what we've been saying all along. Our history is rooted in Christianity. It doesn't mean anywhere that we're saying when we say we're, that we're a Christian nation, we're not saying everybody here has to be a Christian. Absolutely. We're saying our country and our documents are rooted by Christians, for Christians, and written to a Christian principle. And so it's just fascinating to me when I see things like this. Of course, the history nerd in me comes out. This was <laughs> Running for office was right up my nerdy little alley because of this kind of thing. Because it's just like she said we have so many roots here that are rooted in that biblical understanding of things. And that just resonates with, with us. Um, And so we have to understand this is important for us to, to, to play a role in Um, William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. I'm sure, you know, have heard of him and read of him. He's one of my favorite people to study was asked what the chief danger of the 20th century would be. And he said the chief danger of the 20th century will be Christianity without Christ. Uh, religion without the Holy Ghost, wow, uh, forgiveness without repentance, wow, <laughs> politics without God, oh my gosh, and a heaven without a hell. You got to get me that quote, yeah.
1: I-, I need that, I could do a whole series on that. Yeah, that's you right. got to get that to me, Ruby. Please make sure we get your number and contact information. We need to get that to Senator uh, Bullard. Uh, he really, really is interested in that, he's sincere in that. And so please leave us, leave us that, that information. Uh, and thank you so much for calling. And again, uh, we, we aren't talking about, and I appreciate a politician understanding and then stating that we're not talking about as a Christian nation. We now mandate Christianity. Nope. We've seen the, the, the flaw of that as well, that you can't mandate faith. You can't mandate a changed heart. It has to be volunteered. Terry, it has to be out of freedom. Uh, and so all we're saying is everything. When You, you know, he's talking about the Capitol in uh, Oklahoma City uh, and, and just all the markers of our history and Christianity. When you go to Washington, I'm shocked that somebody hadn't blown that whole town up and destroyed all the artifacts, all the writings on the buildings. Uh, of our freedom, of our liberty, of of the Bible, quotes out of the Bible everywhere. Uh, And that's all we're saying. We have to get back to a Judeo-Christian philosophy and principles
2: even in our government. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say I I had the privilege of taking 18 kids to go see Trump's inauguration. And that that was a little nerve-wracking for me to have 18 kids sitting there. But (laughs) I told them there was a Quote by Thomas Jefferson somewhere that was etched in on one of the monuments, but I couldn't figure out which one it was. Well, lo and behold, it was at the Jefferson Monument, which just duh. But on the wall, I had <laughs> I had shared that quote with them forever, and it said, uh, "The God who gave us life gave us liberty, and can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed from them the the uh, the requirement or the understanding that they are a gift from God?" Yes. That's important for us to understand. If you go up there, you'll see that everywhere. Yeah. Uh, you talked about the Ten Commandments earlier. When you walk up to the Supreme Court, you will see a, an inscription of Moses holding the Ten Commandments yeah. above where the justices sit. In the court, the, the nine justices sit. Above them is another carving of, of Moses holding the Ten Commandments. Amen. And so you'll see it all over the place. Um, and, and so... It's ingrained, it's just like what Roosevelt said, it's ingrained in every aspect of our civil and social society. And we've attempted to remove that. And can we recognize ourselves right now? Well, no, we can't. And so it's important that we, we get back to that understanding. It's not a requirement. It's a simple understanding of principle. And that understanding of principle matters, uh, especially when you start looking at the covenant that Washington and our founders made. God doesn't play with covenants. And uh, if you make a covenant with God, you better hold it. Amen. Well, there's just so many good things triggering in my mind
1: there uh, and the beauty of it. Again, when we say liberty, we mean liberty like God Mm -hmm. means liberty. You have a freedom and a right to accept Christ and follow his his way and his principles uh, of life, eternal life. And you have the freedom to reject it. God himself will honor your free will right to the gates of hell. Uh, You can choose to go to hell. If you want to go to hell, you can go to hell, and you have a right to choose to go. But you don't have a right to go not knowing there is a hell and that you don't have to go, that you can call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Saved from what? Saved from a devil's hell. Saved from that kind of torment for eternity. But we need the freedom to accept or to reject and today, we have a woke movement that is denying us our freedom to accept and to practice our right to pray, our right to to assemble. Mm-hmm. I mean, the COVID-19, it, it was so alarming to me that your average Christian had no idea that this is an assault on the church. And you said earlier, Senator that we'll see a day, if we don't wake up soon, we will see a day that you can't say and speak the name of Jesus, because the devil knows there's no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And he's not interested in saving, he's interested in sl- enslaving. And so mm-hmm. we'll see law that you can't speak the name of, of Jesus if we don't wake up and push back lovingly in a civil manner. Uh, even civil and social structure based in Judeo-Christianity, it's good for lost people. That God loves lost people. That's why he instituted governments that would, would protect our rights. It's because he loves us all. Even a lost person needs to be protected from evil and injustice and on and on we could go. We got a couple of more questions here. Should we be training our kids to see corrupt government for themselves? Should we be training our kids to see corrupt government for themselves? Um, I, I'm not positive. I think the question is a little strong, but I definitely have trained my children. I'm training my grandchildren now as we speak to discern good and evil. I don't, I don't turn them against government. Government is ordained by God, but I do, and I did train them to discern this is corrupt, this is wrong, and that we need to lovingly oppose what is evil. Uh, So I definitely trained and taught my children, now my grandchildren, to discern not just corrupt government, but corrupt religion, Uh, corruption in our own heart and lives. So how would you answer that? That's my answer.
2: Yeah, Ephesians 6 probably nails that one on the head. Uh, This is not a battle between flesh and blood, but what kind of battle? And if you don't teach your kids to discern evil spirits versus right versus wrong, uh, evil spirits versus good, uh, to understand those things, that's the principle that we're talking about. And, and there's a very staggering statistic that it's, it is an, an overwhelming number. It's somewhere right around 80%. I'll have to go back and look it up. I believe it was Pew Research that did the number. Somewhere right around 80% of our kids that are confessing evangelical Christians when they go off to college, yeah. when they come back. It, have now denounced their faith. It's, it's more than 80. Is it Something more than 80? Yeah, high. that's probably right. It's, it's in the 80s. But what happens high. is we haven't taught them that principle. Yeah. Do, do you yeah. understand the fundamental yeah. principles of what you believe and why you do it? Now, our university system is overwhelmingly attacking Christian faith, and that's how they decided to do it. And it's a staggering number. But what's happened is our parents have not, we have not prepared our kids. So the answer to that question is overwhelmingly, yes. It is your job as a parent, to, to train your kids in such a manner that they understand this is of God or this is not of God, That's right, and how to flee from those things. Um, you know, wh- who was it that, uh, that, that, that fled from the, the different temptation that he had uh, in the Bible? We need to teach these kids get away from it. You can't stand up to it. Uh, these professors, these teachers that are out there that are doing this kind of thing, are extremely good at being able to convince your kids that there is no God. That's right. They're, they're trained in it. They're very, very smart at it. And so we have to train our kids to get away from that, to, to move back to us for that advice, so that in the abundance of counsel, there is wisdom and safety. Get our kids back to us immediately. But uh, those schools, in every instance in which I've studied socialism, communism, those forms of government— the very first thing that they attack is the freedom of speech. Absolutely. Because if I can't disagree with you, then I've already won the argument. If I can't disagree about an election result, or if I can't disagree about your lifestyle without that being a, a point of discussion where you and I can disagree, you and I talked about this the first time we met, we didn't really agree on that idea of a voucher, but you and I talked it out and discussed it. We had an intelligent conversation. And so we as parents have to train our kids how to be able to think our way through these arguments, to fundamentally disagree without hating or going after another person or lashing out, but we have to teach them the fundamental principles, that there is good and that there is evil and that evil is out there waiting for you and and how to be able to handle that. Yeah, I just wanna encourage every parent, do not not spend
1: 40, 50, $60,000 a year for a professor to create doubt in your child's minds and then renounce their faith we're literally paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to renounce the faith now and you better get them well established you better get them well equipped you need to get your children in a good church a, a bible believing church a church that can lay these foundations they have to be laid and relayed and reinforced That's right. or, or your children will be deceived. Your children will be talked out of, of, of godly principles uh, because I love the way you put it, Senator. Uh, these professors are well-trained in evil. They're well-trained in fraud and, and deception. And the scriptures warn us of this, that Satan is the father of all lies that this stuff is demonic, and we have to better prepare our children to stand up to it in Jesus' name. All right, let's take a, a, a call from, uh, uh-oh, this is a, a, a student in our school. Uh, I'm not sure how to say your name from San Antonio, Texas. I don't want to mess it up. Ethlyn?
4: Perfect.
1: I got oh. it. Praise you the Lord. You got it. Is a God. How are you guys doing, Pastor Dwayne and Senator Bullock? We're doing excellent. Thank you so much. Yes, I had a question about— What question do you
4: have? I had a question about um, having a conversation with my pastor about biblical worldview, and I was just wondering, there's a book that covers all of the major subjects, you know, the topics about Uh, marriage.
1: Excellent. Yeah, Yeah, there's a book that
4: covers those topics with scriptures listed.
1: Yes, he he may know of a specific book right off the top of my head. I can't think of a book, but I actually uh, worked with Andrew Walmack and we did a series on biblical worldview. And we tackled all these different issues of of homosexuality, uh, transgenderism, marriage, uh on and on we went, and Andrew has that available uh, on his website, um, and it is called A Biblical Worldview uh, Versus a Secular Worldview. And so we have, and he has information. Of course, all of my uh, free material that's available on my website, they, they deal with all of these issues. I don't think there's an issue I haven't at least leaned into, addressed, and if there is one, I'm open to addressing it from a biblical worldview. Uh, so as far as a book, David might have knowledge of something I don't hear.
2: Yeah, and you'll have to forgive me because I can't remember the name of the author, but there's one called A Letter to the American Church. Uh, if you'll go look that up, you can find out who, they, who that book is. But can you that, say it again? Uh, a Letter to the American Church. Okay. And it is a it is a book that is about the, this understanding of um, all of these different issues that the church is facing and that they need to, to uh, and how to address them, uh, there's another pretty good book out there. It's it's average. It's called uh, Counterculture. Uh, you, you could probably <laughs> oh, use man, that.
1: that was a, a shot to the gut. That's my book, if you don't know. Yeah, he called it average.
2: Yeah, it uh, might. We'll talk um,
1: afterwards. Yeah, right. we'll
2: have a discussion about that. I'm sure. But now that and even your book uh, hits on some of these, even if it doesn't do it specifically. Uh, that book is hitting on those issues as it goes along. And so you could probably even get to something like that. I will also tell you there's lots of resources out there if you want to look at them. Um, of course, uh, Dr. James Dobson has a lot of issues that cover this. And another one is Wall Builders. That's the yes. one that helped me a lot with David Barton. Yes, He has so many resources. It's just it's just a matter of being able to plow through all the information that he has, but he has it's a ton luminous. of information. Yes, it is. <laughs> that is definitely correct. Well,
1: let's take another call. I can't believe the calls tend to come in toward the end. We're running out of time. Um, we got a call from Tim uh, in Wisconsin. Thank you so much for calling, Tim. What's your question?
3: Yes, Pastor Dwayne and David, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well.
3: My- my question is: I've actually consider, heavily considered moving to to Oklahoma from Wisconsin for for Victor Life Church and uh, Christian community well, and one of my. What, sisters,
1: what in the world would be stopping you, my brother? Uh, <laughs> Pack your bags. Uh, could, I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. I could, go, I could ahead. go into
3: detail for hours, but anyway, um, my yeah. question is: obviously, my, I have lots of children. I have ten children, so obviously, my children's wow. education is a huge, huge consideration yeah. whether or not I would move absolutely and my question so my question is what would it be like for someone moving from out of state to be you know for the tax credit for school choice um,
1: yeah you know, but that that is district? an excellent question and we actually felt like the Lord told us that people would move once once our state did this and I've been I've been working for this for 20 30 years and toward it Uh, But I really believe the Lord told us as a church that once this happens, we're going to see people moving uh, to Oklahoma because of their love for their kids and this choice. And, And please don't misunderstand us. There are some schools in Oklahoma that are public schools that are par and as good as any Christian, or private school I know of. So we have excellent schools
2: overall, but they're even going to get better. Oklahoma is going to be a refuge for our children. Uh, go ahead. Well, and I'll tack on to that, and then, Tim, I'll tack your question. But the more competition we introduce, the better both of them are going to be. It's not That's mutually right. exclusive to one another. It's not that you have to have uh, good private schools and bad public schools or good public schools and bad private schools. We can have both. That's right. And the tax credit system that you and I are talking about that we implemented Does both work? It's not an attack on public schools, that's right. But the competition makes them better. Uh, Tim, for you, what you need to understand is, uh, I believe that the filing period right now in Oklahoma is December 10th, that's correct. But that's because it's the first year of implementation, it will already have been passed. And then the tax commission, it is our intent to make that um, uh, time period of when they can enroll in the summertime so that uh, in June, so that you have time to get all that handled before school starts that next fall in August or September, whenever you do it. So probably you will have to either do it now, which I would encourage you to move to God's country. It would be a lot better <laughs> for you anyways. But, the, but, but uh, it's going to be December 10th is when you can file for it. Uh, or you can probably file uh, a year from now in in the summertime and getting ready for. Yeah, the it would be year.
1: difficult unless you're packed and ready to come. And I do believe there's going to be a mass exodus out of Egypt into the promised land. Oklahoma is the promised land, and we're going to see that mass exodus. We're also becoming a a refuge state uh, for the unborn, a a uh, uh, sanctuary city, a sanctuary state for the unborn, and so we're going to see people moving in. Uh, that understand the power of protecting life. But our children are a top priority in any of us that have children. So you probably can't make this school year, but you need to be contacting our school and see when those deadlines are for next year. Like, yep. like, like the senator is saying, uh, we're working on all that and we're, we're signing par- parents up. Even parents that aren't attending our school right now are signing up for next year to get the tax credit. Right. Awesome. Uh, Another question again. Oh, no, I'm out of time. Praise the Lord. Thank you for being a part of Truth and Liberty. We're going to have David back. I love you. God bless you.
0: (laughs) Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.